0: I am pleased to have someone that has written some of the finest literature of my lifetime and uh he couldn't make it but i got another guy who has one of the greatest magazines i grew up reading which was heaven's metal he started heaven's metal magazine he's written books he is he wears ski mask and plays bands in a band i have doug van pelt thank you doug for joining the show how are you
1: Good, I'm glad to be your backup interview for the night.
0: Uh, yeah, Shakespeare couldn't make it. Apparently he's dead. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: But uh, yeah, you, you're you currently getting pizza for the family, so you're you're doing a great job of that so far. And uh, you're making me hungry before this interview really has even started, so thank you for that. I and, appreciate uh, the feedback. Yeah, did you wear a ski mask? You wore a ski mask in, in lost Control, didn't you?
1: yeah the very first concert which was my first musical performance ever besides the third grade christmas musical was in front of a thousand people at cornerstone and we had our ski mask uh duct taped on because we had heard threats that people were going to jump on stage and tear the masks off of us to reveal our secret identities so we had a closed backstage our uh, our friend who was running backstage he told glenn kaiser sorry can't come back here and pray with all the Independent bands and a new band showcase, <laughs> like you have a habit of doing. Yeah, I uh, can't do it. It's a closed uh, backstage goodbye. We were all giggling, peeking
2: around the door, watching Glenn
0: walk away. <laughs> you guys were like the Kiss of uh, Christian of Cornerstone.
1: Like, yeah, no, we, we
0: cannot. We, I. No one knows who we are.
1: We've made one millionth of the money that Kiss has made. I, think oh, I, think I, could, ima- I could imagine. I could
0: imagine. I could imagine uh what year did you say that was for cornerstone
1: 1989
0: what stage were you was that the main stage or were you guys play a different stage
1: no it was uh back then they had a new band showcase and they had first second and third place prizes which was studio time a little bit less studio time and then uh like a keyboard or maybe studio time for one song and a keyboard or whatever and they took uh they had 16 bands uh, four a day for four days and um, what's funny about that is uh, they had a bunch of music guys like ourselves meet together in Chicago to go over you know the hundreds of demo tapes that were entered probably about 300 demo tapes to go in on a mad weekend and right. uh, after the weekend came and went I called up my buddy Mike Delaney who is the music buyer for Spring Arbor Music Distributors I said hey Mike I know that the weekend has come and gone I didn't get a phone call uh can I ask what happened? He goes, yeah, you guys were picked, but uh, what's the guy's name? Mark Steve Bruno. No, I didn't work with a Steve Bruno. Some guy named Bruno said, oh, yeah, we sent him a contract. They're signed. They're ineligible. And I'm like, Mike, you know, they did send us a contract, but I have redlined that with a red felt pen all over the place. I'm not going to sign it. It's a horrible deal. Uh, we are totally independent. So Mike goes, okay, hold on a second. Let me call you back. And so he called back the committee. And some poor band got a phone call that said, "I'm sorry, we. I know you got the announcement that you were in the new band showcase, but you're now out <laughs>
0: that was my band.
1: Actually, yeah, it was your band, and you're <laughs> still holding the grocery. You never knew what happened. You, you never knew which band replaced you, but it was us. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a hilarious story. It's kind of heartbreaking, who, but uh, who
0: won that? Who won that uh, showcase thing? Do you remember?
1: yeah yeah there are another band from austin texas we had the we had the whole thing rigged Not, i'm just kidding but a band called the cry <laughs> c-r-y uh a really okay. cool alternative rock band that was kind of melodic. they've got a couple songs on an ocean records compilation called light from the underground volume one and volume two that you can okay. hear their talent but uh yeah they were pretty good
0: well i was going to go back a little bit before those days and we have something in common besides our handsome, good looks. And that would be that our dads were in the air force. We grew up, uh, kind of air force family. Um, my dad retired though. I was about 10 years old, but I, we, I was born in Germany. We moved around quite a bit and then he retired and we moved to the Atlanta area. And, uh, I saw that, uh, your dad, he was a jet fighter. Uh, he wasn't the yeah. actual jet, but he was a, a pilot. Uh, is that correct?
2: That is,
1: yeah. He's a fighter pilot, awesome. pilot in the U.S. Air Force, yeah. He flew bombers and fighters over in Vietnam and did a bunch of uh, test flights in the U.S.A. Mm. One At one period, he was the deputy commander of the test pilot school, and the actual commander, I think, had to go to Europe for like a year. So for a year, my dad had the best job in the entire Air Force, in my opinion, was the commander of the test pilot school. Probably got to fly any plane he wanted to, you know, and it was just... Uh, the head of that uh, test wing. So, so my dad was the commander of the test pilot school for a good time, and anyway, he, he allowed me to take flight lessons. That's what I was telling you about. And uh, I did not fall in love with flying the way pilots do. I, in fact, enjoyed flying on my motorcycle over jumps and catching air out in the deserts. Because we were stationed at Edwards Air Force Base in the Mojave Desert, which is like a giant playground for motocross.
2: Right. And
1: uh, I liked that more than I did flying. So I kind of, and I had a conversation with the general son who uh, uh, had kind of had the same attitude. He thought it would just be a piece of paper that he got when he finally got his pilot's license, and he never did it. And uh, so I just let it go. I actually, funny, I had a, I had a bad experience with a, a substitute uh, instructor. When I, uh, I helped my parents move across the country one summer, and uh, when I came back, uh, Walt Shob was no longer teaching or he was gone for a while and they had some lady and and I think girls rock I, I, I think we're a mm-hmm. like, girl athletes and girl skateboarders are really cool but I yeah. really don't have anything against a woman although the story makes it sound like I do but uh anyway she took me up and we were coming in for the first landing and uh you know you have this glide path and um she goes Go some more gas and I just I hit the throttle a little bit. Give it some more gas.
2: I gotta give it some more
1: gas. She said. She grabbed the throttle and and, uh, and and punched it. You know and you know she's a she's an instructor. So she obviously knows more than I do. But I had made you know hundreds of landings, at least a hundred landings by that point, And I'm pretty sure that I had the uh, the glide ratio down. But uh, anyway, that really turned me off. I did not want to get back in the in the airplane with her again.
0: Boy, are and you so single? I kind of let it go. <laughs> Wow! Not now. I was yeah. in high school then. Well, I mean, you're asking her. You're like, oh, are you single? Because you're really, oh yeah. want to <laughs> hang out with you more. Like to go on a date. With you <laughs> yeah. Control. Can I get your phone number? <laughs> <laughs> wow, so that's crazy. So when, uh, when does music really become part of your life? And when are you kind of introduce to, quote unquote, Christian music? You know, if you want to call it that. But uh, when did that, when did that come about for you?
2: Well, uh, that came about
1: really early for me uh, when I was, uh, I was born in 63, so like in, in 70, 71, I was like seven or eight years old, and I was listening to the local FM radio station, and I, was, I, was, I would call up the radio station and request music as a seven-year-old, and uh, one of my favorite songs was Temptation Eyes by the Grassroots, and I remember hearing the Led Zeppelin 3 album at a party that uh, the military families all through, and all the kids hung out together, And I really like Deep Purple, Smoke on the Water, Uh, uh, Stairway to Heaven came out in 71. And so I was listening to all those classic rock bands and uh, really digging it. And then uh, a few years later, I moved up to Northern Virginia when my dad was stationed at the Pentagon. And I got saved and was walking with the Lord and went to see a movie put out by the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association called Time to Run. And they had a soundtrack and it featured Randy Stonehill singing a Larry Norman song called I love you. And I remember, uh, loving that song. I mean, being moved to tears and just loving that song. And I bought the cassette tape at a, at a Christian bookstore. It was a really weird packaging. Like the cassette tape was almost like a, a plastic outer shell, like a DVD MRA case, but really small. It wasn't like the typical flip it open, like a sideways book cassette shells that we're used to. Anyway. Um, Totally was got into that, but I only walked with the Lord for about six months. For some reason, I backslid and was a prodigal son for the next nine years. Um, And during that early time, I went to go see a a couple of Christian uh, music festivals. One was called Expo 72, and there was like a one or 200,000 people there. It was a giant free concert at this intersection of like three freeways that were being built in Dallas. And Larry Norman was there, Johnny Cash, Chris Christopherson, believe it or not, was on the one of the headliners and uh love song was probably there so i got exposed to that then i went to fishnet uh 76 i think with my parents i wasn't walking with the lord but kind of you know had to go to church with them and went to this christian music festival in front Royal, virginia called fishnet and uh i couldn't tell you i remember andre crouch and the disciples i remember him seeing the joy of the lord is my strength and uh and getting the audience to jump up and down. I remember feeling the energy of that, but that was kind of like a black gospel, a little bit of rock and roll vibe Mm -hmm. to it. Um, And then, uh, but you know, as a junior high school kid, I got into Kiss, Aerosmith, uh, Led Zeppelin. And then in high school, you know, Ted Nugent and Foghat and Pat Travers band. um, Moving on in high school, discovered the Scorpions and uh, fell in love with them and then in college uh my third year of college i came back to the lord as a prodigal son and quickly started gobbling up as much christian rock as i could uh find and uh discovered artists like uh archangel and daryl mansfield uh the daniel band res band rick kua uh so that was a fun time to you know like a lot of people they have kind of a similar experience when they discover christian rock they really enjoy just discovering how much is out there and uh there's so much good good hard rock it was fun
0: it, it's fun it's fun now just going back and trying to hear, like bands i i didn't know existed back then this is bad to, for me to say it but i didn't discover the brave until a couple of years ago and i'm thinking how did i not know who this band was because i was listening to everything else and i'm like, yeah. i've fallen in love with the, with, with their stuff and, I, and i've had them on the show because i mean album they had out last year is probably to me the best album that came out last year with evie's little garden and yeah. um there's bands though that that's the cool thing you can go back and still find some bands you're like i never even heard them at that time i don't know how i missed it but uh, uh you kind of made me think of the the new movie electric jesus have you seen that movie
1: oh i've seen it five times i
0: love it uh so uh, yes love that movie you just kind of made me think when they're like oh you know the the kid starts listing all the bands he names like 40 something bands yeah and uh it's so cool to hear all those old bands named and uh all the reference striper references and heaven and hell tour but all all that crazy stuff. that's a great movie i I figured you'd seen it but you may i love it yeah you made me think about
1: is uh, he rattles off 66 band names in that one scene? There's one for every book of the
0: Bible. Yeah, I actually heard that. I was listening to Chris Jericho's podcast, and he had the the director of oh, cool. the writer, and he said that. That is cool. Um, but yeah, so you start gobbling up all this Christian music. What is there any bands in particular that stick out to you at this time that you're really just loving?
2: Awesome. There's a couple
1: artists. Uh, the Daniel Band really struck a chord with me as being kind of a, the hardest I'd heard in 1983. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot. You know, Saint and Messiah Prophet and Striper had not come out yet. And uh, I think Saint and Messiah Prophet actually predated Striper. But when Striper hit, uh, they dominated. because They were so, so good at what they do. But the Daniel Band was one of the first bands that really struck a chord with me as far as melodic metal which is what i really is probably one of my favorite styles and uh and there was an artist that was kind of like a alan parsons meets pink floyd meets new age music called jeff johnson and he had these vocal albums that he did they like concept albums that were really cool listen to you on your headphones it's kind of trippy music it wasn't your metal any stretch but it had a lot of really cool frontless bass and uh uh really cool vocals and atmospheric stuff that was fun. So those were a couple of my favorites pre-84. And when 84 came around, I actually was in Los Angeles. I decided I wanted to spend the summer with my grandparents who lived in Garden Grove, which is right by Anaheim, by Disneyland. And that was the summer that Striper uh, was coming out with their debut EP, The Yellow and Black Attack. And I went to go see them at a small club before the EP came out, uh, a place called Radio City Music Hall in Anaheim and fell in love with them oh my gosh it was uh so awesome they had a song called first love that they played That was just right. like a, a melodic metal ballad it was which is like my one of my favorite one of my favorite styles of song in that style of melodic metal so uh and uh when their album came out it was at a uh, maranatha village which was a big giant christian bookstore in southern california in santa Ana. Uh, i was there for their 10-year anniversary celebration and uh, striper was there signing autographs and they were pulling copies of the album, the vinyl out of boxes that they just got from their record plants. So my, co- mm-hmm. my copy of the yellow and black attack is on black vinyl. Cause it was actually oh.
2: the very first pressing.
0: That's really cool. So I guess this all really just starts to inspire you. And are you already kind of a writer? Are you, are you beginning to enjoy writing? Okay. It's funny that uh, you ask about writing because
1: you know I never had any ideas or dreams about you know being a magazine publisher or a book author at all when I was growing up. I just <laughs> I remember when I was growing up, I just knew I wanted to be tall. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> How'd that work out so for I was, you? I was kind of I stopped growing at five foot ten, so I'm yeah. average at least.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. But uh, when I look back in hindsight you know in the seventh and eighth grade i was on the yearbook committee in junior high school and uh i made my own little comic books and uh so i was dabbling okay. with like s- self-publishing stuff but you didn't have any dreams to do this as a career and anything like that but uh as time went on I, and i kind of it's kind of funny telling you these stories about some of the concerts i've seen and whatnot it's almost like god bless me or i got lucky you know to really be in the right place at the right time for so many cool events and uh and when i was in college uh the university of texas in austin had a student newspaper called the daily texan you know there was like fifty thousand undergraduate students there so there was like a ton of people that read the newspaper and i uh wanted to uh you know not only evangelize but uh Tell people about the cool music I was listening to. So I was reviewing Christian rock albums for the student newspaper. And then when Striper did their first little tour outside of California, they came to Texas for about five shows, I think. Corpus mm-hmm. Christi, San Antonio, Dallas, Austin. Um anyway, and I got to go see that. And 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 prior to that show, um, the newspaper was getting hit up by the publicist at Enigma, the guy named Rick Orienza. Um and they said you know hey do you want to do a feature article on the band for like you know a day of the concert type article and uh, i said heck yeah so that was the first time i ever did like a a interview with an artist where i had to transcribe the interview and turn the whole thing into a feature article so that was kind of like some cool experience that you know came in handy and made sense to like do a magazine later but uh i was just sitting there minding my own business when somebody mentioned In a uh, fanzine called Acme, which stood for Alternative Christian Music Enthusiasts. And they had some news about a Christian metal band. And they said, hey, with the advent of Christian metal, somebody should start a Christian heavy metal newsletter or a fanzine. You'd have a lot of fun along the way. And I thought, hey, I can do that. And so over the next four or five, six months, I kind of let that vision gel inside my head and prayed about it and got some advice and actually uh, asked my Christian Campus ministry at the University of Texas on campus, if I could use their mimeograph machine. If you remember back in high school, the when you'd get a test on that blue, the blue ink on the paper, you'd smell it as soon as you got it in your hands. I was going to use one of those presses to do my first issue, and I got permission to do it because it was a student organization. Student organizations could use that press for free, but I ended up not going that route for one reason or another. But anyway, I thought that was funny, and uh, come and uh, as it, the summer started to start. My friend Carrie Womack, who uh, later on went to a former band called One Bad Pig, he said, yeah. Hey, I'm going to go to Cornerstone this year for the second year in a row. And why don't you print your first issue of your magazine and I'll hand it out as a promotion? So that was kind of the shove out the front door that actually got me to do something and get the first issue you published, which was just a, just a six page uh, photograph, a photocopied um, fanzine.
0: Was it a Striper uh, on the front cover?
1: Stripers on the front cover, the back cover, and the only photo in the middle with stripers. Okay. Three photos.
0: They're all striper. Yeah, I thought I remember, remember that uh, when you guys had talked about it or anything was ever mentioned in later issues of the actual magazine.
1: Yeah, I had a column back in the day called "Stripe Hype," and every issue there was always some news to report because it came out every two months, and a lot happens in two months. Mm-hmm. And so I always had some news on striper to talk about, and so striper was definitely the biggest deal at the
0: time. Yeah, I can imagine biggest. I kind of came into reading HM probably or Heaven's Metal. Uh, gosh, I'm trying to think. It had to be around '93 or so when I was introduced to it, because I I was I was into striper, but I had a friend when I moved to Atlanta who eventually. Got me into all this kind of music and in, in the magazine, and then my parents were subscribing me to to your magazine also. So you know, I was always excited about getting that. I read every I think nice. I read from front to, to back, and uh, yeah, I was I loved I loved when that magazine got in. I learned about so many bands uh, during that time. Also, when you guys started putting out uh, at the VHS, uh, uh, like the first one at Striper and, and I had XL on the other day. And we, I asked him about how he got on there and he told me it was because I think he was torn with a crucified and, and they, you get, they came through Texas and you had asked him if you wanted to be on it, something, something to the, to that effect. And, uh, was it PK Mitchell? Was he on that first one? You remember that? Yeah, he was, I think, the Amazing Grace song. He did a yeah, number of I never, I never heard, I don't know what else happened to him. I just remembered that. I mean, all those things though, stuck out to me as a young, uh, impressionable, impressional, impressional, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. Uh, a guy. Impressionable. You know, impressionable, thank you. Yeah. I was missing something there, as always. You can uh, find him on Facebook. P.K. Mitchell is out there. I think I, I'm Probably after I now that I'm actually trying to do this where I'm interviewing people, I'm trying to find all the, you know, kind of guys from from, And some. uh, A lot of them have been very responsive, thankfully, and then some just haven't responded. And uh, thankfully, I've been very blessed so far with the guest I've had on. But anyways, going back to the magazine, when do you finally say, okay, we're going to we're going to step it up. It's going to be an actual magazine.
1: It was a slow process. I didn't have any investment capital, so I could only grow as I could afford to grow. And uh, so for the first few, the first year, was uh, photocopied at like a Kinko's or or a Ginny's photocopying place uh, near the campus of University of Texas. Um, And uh, anyway, but in the first two months, I got 300 subscribers because the idea Uh, Just took off and and I would trade classified ads with other underground fanzines and newsletters and we'd trade classifieds with each other. So the word got out. I took out a classified ad in CCM magazine, which got a big response. And I took out a classified ad in Kerrang! magazine, which I tell the story a lot. It happened to be by chance, quote unquote, their 100th issue ever. And they were actually going to launch a new distribution uh, thing in the, in the united states and they were going to actually print a hundred thousand extra copies uh in the united states from a printer there and so that particular issue had normal prices for the classified advertising but it had like the you know uh, a huge audience to that so that was kind of fun and just, uh, there's
0: well, well i'll go, go back ahead. to it. keep going I, I have a question for you hopefully i'll remember it but you know keep going
1: okay so things grew uh and there's like little jumps like uh, in the spring of uh 86 i got a package from gavin morkel of pure metal records and there was like two or three new albums one was a test pressing and a couple vinyl albums that had just come out and they said they wanted to start advertising in heaven's metal and would i be interested in designing the ads and so i used uh, my, my cut and paste skills and my photocopying services to uh uh put together the you know their ads and instead of getting cash I got uh product. So uh, I got wholesale prices for product and I would sell vinyl and cassettes through the mail uh, For those first few so that was the first advertising besides classifieds they came in yeah. and then uh, Another time uh, frontline records had bought intense records and they decided, you know We're gonna do the majority if not all of our marketing in Heaven's Metal magazine. So that was a big infusion of uh, of you know, marketing money that helped us out with every single issue to help pay their our print bills, which got
0: bigger. Yeah, than because there. you don't have the internet right there. And that's really a great idea for them to be able to use something that they know is targeting their audience. They could get that word to their audience, too. So that, that was a great idea. Yeah, it was a, a win win for everybody because,
1: uh, you know, as fans, you actually like see those advertisements, you wanted to know what was coming out. And it was always really cool artwork, usually. So it was kind of like a, even though it wasn't editorial, for the metal kid or a metal fan, seeing an ad for the, you know, new Bloodgood album was as cool as, you know, just looking at a cool photograph or almost an article. Um, so it uh, it really went over well, and that was another big moment where we grew. There was another big step when I went into newsstand distribution and on retail level which had another connection with lust control um mike delaney the music buyer for spring arbor uh ordered like 400 copies i think of our cassette tape this is a condemnation and the day that it hit the warehouse the warehouse uh it became the talk of every employee at the spring arbor warehouse they would people would call their friend on the intercom hey joe did you see the SKU number 223 oh my gosh is that really the <laughs> title do they say condom in this album cover uh and uh, so pretty soon mike gets a phone call from the vice president of sales he gets called into his office and he walks in there with his tail between his legs and there's like mike you have to return all these we can't carry this it's got the word condom in it you know so mike uh, calls me up sheepishly yeah. and says you know i'm sorry doug is there anything i can do for you and i go yes you know th- there's a flyer program that you guys have so every bookstore in the con- in north america got shipments from spring arbor like every week and sometimes every day and there was flyers inside the box when they opened it up there were advertisements that you had to pay a couple hundred bucks or a hundred bucks or i don't know how much it was to have a flyer and with a phone number on how to order it if you wanted it and i said give me one of those flyers please and he goes okay i can do that and uh, the the magazine ad i put together really took off and the magazine program person looked over Mike's shoulder and said can i take this title on and he was like yeah sure So that's how i got I made the jump into retail distribution. So that was fun.
0: So, okay, I have a couple questions, kind of jumping ahead a little bit with the magazine history. What uh, issue was the best selling issue ever? Hmm. Wow. Well,
1: what's interesting about Heaven's Metal and HM Magazine is we had extraordinarily high sell through percentages. I don't know if you know this, I, I learned this as I learned. The magazine business by experience, but like, you know, time and newsweek and rolling stone or whatever, the, the stuff that's sold in a convenience store. Yeah. They don't try to sell out the, the magazines there. They know that if they, if they put in 50 copies and all 50 copies sell out before the week is over, they've lost mm-hmm. all these potential sales. But if they put a hundred copies on the shelf, they'll sell 75. And, uh, so anyway, that's the idea. And most magazines that are successful have a sell-through percentage of right about 50 percent a little bit less than 50 a couple percentage points over 50 but hm and heaven's metal was classically in the 55 to 60 percent sell through in those um on those newsstands so that was kind of that was kind of cool which issues sold the best i don't really know if i have data on that at one point Mm -hmm. our paid circulation with subscribers and retail sales went to up to twenty three thousand copies uh, every issue so and, uh, was that
0: what you guys doing monthly at one point or did it, it changed towards the not during the the very very end
1: when I could see the end of print coming I went from every two months which is called bimonthly to quarterly because the ad sales to, to help pay those print bills were just not coming through anymore but yeah it was every two months for the the 27 of the 28 years it was in print.
0: All right. And the other question I wanted to ask you whose idea, or maybe it was your idea to feature a secular artist. When did that come about? And was that difficult trying to, how'd you, how'd you guys tell them like, yeah, this is a Christian magazine. How was it explained? Just how did that process happen? What's funny is uh, as the magazine grew,
1: uh you know heaven's metal got on the radar of publicists everywhere you know the publicist for atlantic records and warner brother records and epic records and this label and that label you know they're always looking for media outlets to get coverage in and so i was on their radar and i started getting you know uh, uh, packages in the mail from epic records a new advanced cd or advanced cassette on some big band that was coming out and it had like a bio that told the story about the new album okay and it, and it had the the music in there and it had a photograph in there so i was ready to go to press that's what you know they sent media kits and that's what it was it's like when you receive this you can do an article on this band you could review the album and there's a phone number to say if you want to do an interview call us and so it was real easy yeah oh, okay once i wanted to do that just to pick up the phone and say hey thanks for the you know the press kit on Living Color. I'd like to review Corey Glover. Okay, good one. Doug, when's a good time for that. Um, the inspiration for that came from Cornerstone Magazine because uh, Cornerstone Magazine, which was put on, put out by Jesus People USA, a bunch mm-hmm. of hippies that got saved yeah, in the familiar with them. 60s okay. and 70s. They interviewed Ozzy Osbourne. They gave him a copy of Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. They asked him about Jesus. And one time they even told a story about, They met Robert Plant at a at a show somewhere and said, hey, Robert, we'd like to do an interview with you. You know, we're Cornerstone magazine. Want to talk to you about faith or whatever. And Robert Plant says, "Okay, I can't do it now, but give me a call. You know, I'll call you later. And when they were leaving, they were like, is he going to call? Nah, he's not going to call. Well, Hmm. sad to say, they get a voicemail from Robert Plant a couple of days later. Hey, this is Robert calling you back. Like I said, I would, you know, click. And (laughs) I think I think somehow in that story, I don't remember the details, but I think they really let him down because they didn't take him serious, and he called during a window of opportunity where he would have done it, and he, they weren't there to take the call, so it never happened, but anyway, they were a real inspiration to me to do that, and um, so I started doing it, and I, I think from the get-go, perhaps, I don't know when I stumbled upon the question about Jesus, but the thing that's, that's great about that question right, is, is the fact that it cuts through all the religious garbage and the religious baggage that somebody might have. I'm not asking you about the church or about yeah. the, your pastor. I'm asking him but what do you think about Jesus Christ? And then
0: I totally the forgot about that question. question. Of all
1: time, yeah. Is what do you think about That's his right. claims to be the way, the truth and the life? No one comes to the Father but by me. And and by by stating that claim, we're basically questions. giving them the best argument for Christianity. And this was his claim. And like C. S. Lewis said, he's either a liar or a lunatic, he thinks he's God, or he's Lord, you know? And so, right. um, but most artists, they're, um, they're, they get bored doing interviews back to back to back. You know, they do like four hours of 30 minute interviews over and over again, they get the same old questions from every single journalist in the world. And I come out of left field and ask a question like that. It takes them by surprise. And a lot of them, they appreciate it because they get to talk about something that's just different. So it's a breath of fresh air, even though it's, yeah. it's heated sometimes.
0: Yeah, I, didn't, I I totally forgot about that. It's been so long since I read the the magazine. Obviously, with it kind of being not print and print anymore, but back in the day, and uh, those were great questions. So that was that was pretty cool. Uh, who was probably I'm trying to think how I want to ask it, but when it came to secular bands, who was really accepting and maybe surprised you? of salvation or anything like that that you wouldn't have thought of
1: um yeah one of the surprises was uh gary Sharon of extreme they just come out with their second album called pornography and yeah. uh you know from the stage he's talking about you know that girl that just rips down and rips your blank and blankety blank heart out you know it's like i turned to my friend and he goes yeah, they're a christian band they're gonna open for petra next month <laughs> but we go to his hotel room and uh do an interview and we start talking about the rapture and jesus and find out that that gary's a a full-on believer so that was kind of a pleasant Mm -hmm. surprise um the the drummer for kansas phil ehart is a great drummer and he had he had like two or three members of his band come to jesus and you know and um that was kind of a dramatic deal and it kind of their lead singer steve walsh left the band because he didn't want to sing lyrics that carrie livergren the newborn born again christian was writing yeah and so he saw all this drama around him and um I'm, I'm sure he has a unique perspective but i asked him about jesus and he goes i don't want to talk about that in an interview i just want to talk about kansas so i'd be glad to talk to you about it in you know personally on you know a phone call and so he called me back a couple of times and just like the robert plant story you know it was like after hours or something i wasn't there and there wasn't like a, a time frame where I said call me back, but he called me a couple times. One time he's even on vacation in Alaska, and he called me to to chat. And uh, so give him credit, uh, he wanted to remain a private person and not use his faith maybe to um, get attention or you know some people they find that using your faith to sell records or sell books is distasteful maybe or to get attention. So some people you know um, they might have the feeling that they want to keep it private for certain reasons and i can respect that um and so there was a case where he actually said he was gonna wanted to talk about it in private and he did he called me up you know a couple times and to, to make that happen um there was a lot of surprising stories like the uh dave mustaine of megadeth uh who was really really hard He he's not a fun person to interview because he he doesn't seem to like journalists, which is funny to me because I've seen him on MTV with a microphone in his hand interviewing other people. So it's like mm-hmm. you've been in my shoes, bro. Why can't you appreciate what I do? And, you know, why, why the an- an- animosity and the the tension in mm. every conversation we have? Um, but uh, but that was a pleasant surprise. Um, I can't think of any others off the top of my head that were surprises because they they did. Well, OK, here's another one that's huge. Rob Halford. Um, if things yeah. would have gone as planned, I would have been the first journalist in the in the entire world to out him for his homosexual lifestyle because I had wow. the gay question on my list of questions. But really? I, I was I was agonizing, okay, when do I ask the Jesus question or when do I ask the gay question? Because if I if I turn him off with the Jesus question, I'll never get to the gay question, Or if I turn him off with the gay question, we'll never get to the Jesus question. Blah. So I was really so I held the gay question until later. And then I asked him, what do you think of Jesus Christ? And he goes, oh, I love Jesus. You know, and it's funny. He's driving around in a sports car going through tunnels in New Jersey and stuff while he's doing this interview and the audio. And it was great and everything. But uh, I was uh, when he said he was in love with Jesus, I had to quickly write down some other follow up questions because I wanted to follow that angle. And I never got to the gay questions. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of a it's probably good uh, that it didn't happen. But that sticks out in my mind is uh, one. I was I was surprised. To hear him say that, because I had not expected that this man loved who Jesus Christ was, um, so that was a shocker for me.
0: I think he's he's been pretty open about liking Striper or being supportive of Striper. I want to yeah, say yeah. I've thought I've heard some interviews of him with that. Uh, so, how about kind of on the on the other side of the coin here? How about Christian artists that surprise you? Uh, you don't have to name names if you don't want to, but, uh, just, you know, maybe shocking things that you just weren't expecting from the guys there that are the Christian artists.
1: Um, it's funny. I don't know if I've ever actually come across any <clears throat> interactions with artists and maybe that's because they were on their best behavior around me because I was, mm-hmm. I had a platform and I was like a spokesperson for
0: yeah. Christian metal could, could and destroy him. <clears throat>
1: yeah and that wasn't what i was out to do yeah in fact i learned i learned a lesson when i was doing the cover story with rage of angels um rage of angels was courted by every major christian label and the biggest of all the labels was Myrrh records which was amy grant's label and they were in the market to to sign a christian heavy metal band and this was either before or right around the same time they were actually talking to holy soldier but they hadn't signed anybody yet and so rage of angels could have been that that br- that first christian metal band on mer records and uh this guy named mark the R guy went to go hang out with the band and while he was hanging out with them he was drinking a beer or two and smoking cigarettes and the guys in the band saw that and they let their hair down you know and they um i don't know what all that meant but uh you know they uh, at the end of the week they're they're like okay Mark so what do you think you know are we the band for you guys and he goes well we need to get you guys in ministry shape we need to send you off to Last Days Ministries like a discipleship school and get you geared up to to, to really learn what ministry is about and they were like oh screw okay. you dude they were using the f word you know screw you you know yeah. could you you know they were totally pissed at him
0: Rage of Angels is the one where two of the guys went to be is it still heart or what S- Steel Heart yeah. Yeah. Yep. Because uh, I know. Guys,
1: I, think, I think there's three guys the drummer
0: well, and if you go, both guitar players. If you go find the album that came out, you might remember the name of the band that the singer came out. It was definitely not Christian faith based music. There was a lot of the. So that, you know, that came. they That uh, was a big change from that band to the next band uh, with yeah. his st- with the singer solo stuff. So. Hey, I, I can believe it. Well, going back to that story,
1: I wanted to get both sides of the story. So I, I call it Mark, the A&R guy. What's your side of the story, Mark? Here's what they told me. And he's like, Doug, you know, I was going through a really uh, a dark period of my life at that point. I was smoking, probably drinking too much. And I would really like for you to take that part of the story out. I don't think it's necessarily important to be in the story. And so I had to wrestle with that. What do I? Am I going to destroy Mark's life by putting these details? Is his family going to hate him? And blah blah blah. Is he going to be disowned by his family? What's going to happen? And so I kind of thought about the Bible and how, you know, God's motivation seems to be when it comes to sin. He takes sin seriously. He doesn't gloss over sin, but he 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 also covers sin. Like Noah's sons, when Noah got back from the flood, planted some vineyards. And made some wine and got drunk, and he passed out naked in his tent. And the youngest son saw his dad, and he went and told the two other brothers, "Hey, look at dad!" And and the other two brothers they walked into the tent backwards with a blanket and they covered their dad.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so that's like a uh, kind of shows God's heart when it comes to shaming people. He doesn't he doesn't shame people. He deals with people one on one in private because he he cares about our dignity. And so I realized that even though a journalist is paid to uncover the truth, no matter the cost, the the Christian journalist, in my de- my definition I was coming up with, the truth was paramount and very important, but not at any cost. If it was gonna destroy somebody's life, you had yeah. to weigh that. Yeah. And um, so I learned that lesson by doing that cover story. I ended up printing the details about smoking and drinking a couple beers, so I thought, that's, that's no big deal. And it, it needs to be part of the story, because that's a really, made the band members angry and why they didn't sign with that label but um anyway so that was kind of a fun story and um where you know a christian artist made me wrestle with things that you wouldn't expect necessarily
0: yeah i never have thought about that you're you're you're, you're putting things out there that you just anybody that has not done what you've done and been through probably never thought of they probably thought oh this guy has got it easy as He's a Christian. He's dealing with Christians all the time. Everything's got to be hunk of dory It's like having a magazine in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> uh, everything's perfect. Jesus is our editor. No, anyways. Um, <laughs> so uh, I, I was kind of thinking about other stuff, but, uh, you, you know, you a while back, just kind of jumping up a little bit and then come back to the uh, magazine. You were doing a Heaven's Mental podcast. Is that what it was technically? Or how long did that even last cuz it's not around anymore, is it? Um Yeah, I haven't
1: done one in years. I haven't necessarily given up on it, but um haven't really endeavored to do it. I do a video podcast every now and then where I I get on my phone and videotape me going off on something, but uh, Yeah, or telling
0: interesting stories, right? Yeah. Like that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, I like to do that, and I'm still doing that on occasion. I just, uh, I've got to have the the emotional energy to do that, and I just haven't had a lot of that lately.
0: You know what you need? You need need some energy drinks. (laughs) Yeah, you need cocaine. (laughs) No, you need, uh, you need Joel Walker. The help of, uh, Joel Walker. That's what you need. All right. And then your life will be so much better. No, um, so yeah, what I was gonna say was, though, I know there was a podcast but i know it hasn't been on what were you trying to do with the podcast what uh were you just wanting to do interviews or or uh kind of also keep it with uh hey here's what's going on in the christian music industry or uh or rock you know world i guess you could say is that i mean what was what was the goal
1: uh i was just trying to do what i do with a with a different medium you know podcasting was just a different method of of telling a story or, or getting the information out. And so uh, just like, you know, you got print and you got radio and podcast, and um, you know, it was doing emails and stuff, sending out news to subscribers once a week. So it was really just a okay. medium to uh, kind of do the same thing, you know, cover what's going on, maybe have some news in there. Yeah. Have some interviews in there. Interviews have always been a part of the magazine because interviews, you know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so when somebody speaks in an interview, you you get to reveal a little bit about what's in that person's heart. And so that's always been kind of one of the visions I had with Heaven's Metal is uh, doing interviews. And so a podcast is like, you know, not you don't have to transcribe the interview. You just broadcast it. uh, Let people hear it as it happens.
0: Yeah, and that's, uh, I guess you could say that's kind of what I've started to do and been doing. I've kind of had this, I, for a while I've been doing a baseball podcast. I'm really into baseball. I've interviewed XMLB MLB players, different players, and I, I love baseball. But I also love music. I love Christian metal, and I'm a drummer. So for about the past two or three years I've just had this idea of like I really want to find out what's been going on with a lot of these artists that you don't know what happened to you know they did their thing and they're gone and you don't really know what's uh, where they're at or some some of them do but still you know I want I want to talk to them and, and let people get to know them so that's what I, I finally just I decided to do it I said I'm just gonna do it. I'm like, look, you're you're smart enough. You're good enough. on it. People like you.
1: That's and, right. Um, on
0: it. And uh yeah, so I started. It's been amazing. Uh I've been very blessed to have some of the guests I've had on. Uh, even even getting you has been uh awesome because like I said, I grew up reading HM magazine or I keep wanting to say that Heaven's Metal Magazine. Then you switched it to HM magazine and um you know it's it's been so cool talking to these guys that i grew up almost not like not saying like idolizing but really looking up to and respecting and thinking man these guys are like stars to me you know you know (laughs) they're Mm -hmm. like superstars to me uh in in the world of music because that's all i wanted to do was music striper were my heroes and and there's Doug Van Pelt putting out this awesome magazine that I read every time I can get it. And uh then talking to like Luke Easter and then XL. I had the uh fear not guys on, what's dropped today, another band that I really loved, and they put out one album back in the day. And um and uh you <laughs> know just uh it, it's just like a dream come true but uh anyways i don't know where i'm going with all that but the the point is it's just getting to speak to you guys has been so awesome and, and and having the audience come in and hopefully the audience will keep growing and yeah uh, maybe it will rekindle something with the audience of man i really love that band i want to go back and listen to them now and i've had my friends a lot of people say wow, I didn't know that about this band. I, I really respect them a lot more now that I've heard these stories just from me talking to them. And, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, that's cool. I mean, I, if that's if that's what you get out of it, I'm happy with that. So basically, that, I'm it, trying dude. to say, um, I'm basically saying, are you hired? Yeah, I need a job. No, I'm joking. joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I... I uh, I was gonna get to. Um, I guess what was about two thousand thirteen though. You you do sell off your is it your ownership or what do you how does that work? Two thousand thirteen, you sell off and do you just do the digital stuff at this point for the magazine? Yeah, uh,
1: well, I took HM magazine and I basically sold it uh, for an undisclosed sum. The undisclosed sum is actually instead of getting cash he was going to pay me a percentage of royalties or percentage of profits for the next five years and maybe a small percentage for the lifetime and the the dude couldn't uh monetize it and uh i didn't get any money for the the sale of hm magazine but he 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 owns it now okay and at that point i was already doing heaven's metal as kind of a, a side publication so In a possibly confusing to some people, uh, twist of events. You know, Heaven's Metal uh kept on going as a website only thing. Yeah. And HM magazine uh is still going as a website only thing.
0: Yeah, that is a bit confusing, okay. (laughs) Because unfortunately with the internet and everything, magazines have kinda they're not what they once were, you know. No No one. I mean, you can easily pull up something on a Kindle or on the phone and read it as opposed to wait for the magazine to get there. You can it's uh, it, it is crazy, but I kind of still like magazines, you know, it's just it's cool to have. You have those colored photos and, you know, as young people, it was even cooler if you had a magazine because you could rip out your favorite artist, a picture of him and hang it up or something, you know. Yeah, Yeah. But uh, so so that happens. Um, kind of kind of tell me about. Uh, well, just if you don't mind, before we kind of move on from there, what was your favorite? Uh, maybe some of your favorite stories from your your time with Heaven's Metal <laughs> Magazine. Um. Well, one of
1: my favorite interviews was with daryl mansfield i asked him to share his testimony and uh he was uh um he was kind of growing up in the late 60s and early 70s and uh he had long hair but he didn't (laughs) do drugs he called himself don't panic it's organic daryl mansfield and he did silly things like he rented a he found a policeman's uniform and he came to school early and was directing traffic into the school parking lot and uh (laughs) But like in the same week, I think his uncle or his brother or somebody he knew uh, died in Vietnam. And I think a girlfriend left him. Um, Mm. All this stuff happened. And all he wanted to do was just be with Jesus. And the only way he knew he could be with Jesus was to be dead and and be in heaven. So he went into a church with a butcher knife. And he was going to slit his wrist and just lay down and, you know, die and then go to heaven and see Jesus. And uh, he sliced his his right hand so deep that he had to put the butcher knife between his legs to slice his left wrist. He sliced his left wrist and laid down at the altar to die and go to meet Jesus. And some janitor was cleaning the church and saw him and, you know, called the ambulance and a cop was like, you know, what do you want son? Because, you know, obviously this guy was on drugs or something. And he looked up at the cop, he said life. And apparently there was a nurse there that was a spirit filled believer. And she, uh, she 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 showed Daryl how he could actually meet and know Jesus without having to die
2: yeah. to do it,
1: and she led him to wow. Christ, and that's how he came to Christ. And that that story is just so freaking powerful. It's just I was uh, privileged to be able to hear that, you know, and tell that story. And um, uh,
0: yeah, that's a that's a once in a lifetime kind of story right there. I mean, just how, you know, how powerful it was to hear. I'm sure. Met, wow. Yeah,
1: I met this guy named Valery Baranov, who was at Cornerstone 87, and he was a Russian rock artist who released a uh, a uh, a rock opera called The Trumpet Call. And it was a Christian rock opera, and this was when the, the Russia was in the Soviet Union. And he was sent to prison for being a Christian. He was sent to prison for releasing this Christian rock opera on vinyl. And uh, I got to meet him and talk to him. And he showed me the scars on his back from being whipped in prison. And uh, so that was pretty uh, amazing and a a privilege to be able to to talk to that dude.
0: Yeah. Uh, The the other thing I want to ask is. Did you ever get to build up a friendship with guys like Striper? Yeah,
1: and that first tour through Texas, I took the day off. Of, I skipped classes, and mm. then spent the whole day with them. So I was uh I wasn't helping them loading gear. I wasn't doing any work. I was just hanging out with them.
0: <laughs> and uh, yeah, you you were supposed to be writing from, that feature though, friends right? Friends with them
1: ever since. Uh, the feature was already written and turned okay. in in the paper. I actually I think I had copies of the article with me that day
0: when's um, the where's the last time you talked to those guys
1: um i've been texting uh, some some other relatives in the last week so i'm working on a book project with some interviews that'll feature them as well as a bunch of other christian metal uh, uh legendary artists uh yeah
0: how many books have you written so far right now because that that does take me to a question about uh Actually, uh, I meant to ask you here, but uh, go ahead and answer that one. How many books? I do think you have-
1: I've written four. Um, <clears throat> the first book I wrote was uh, my uh, great American novel. It's the book that kind of had to come out of me. It's called Desert High. It's a novel about high school football and time travel. And then I of wrote course. a children's book uh, called Bobby Baby Bear. And then I've <laughs> written two books called Rock Stars on God. One was volume one which came out on a a relevant books in 2003.
0: Are those based on true stories?
1: Yeah, those were just interviews from the pages of heaven's metal and HM magazine. Okay. And volume one had like the bigger names like Alice Cooper, Metallica kiss and uh, Henry Rollins and volume two had the better interviews that I handpicked. And then I'll, I'll I'll do volume three and volume four eventually. And then I co-wrote the book honestly by Michael Sweet and I'm gonna write two more children's books.
0: Well, and that's the book I wanna get to is uh, the Michael Sweet book. Um, How much did you have to do, or how much were you involved in writing that book? I did
1: uh, 17 hours worth of uh, interviews with Michael, and then I transcribed all the interviews, and I put it together in a book Mm -hmm. and uh, sent it to Michael and sent it to their manager and sent one to myself. So I could look at the raw interviews and I had them divided into chapters and stuff. And I think from Michael's perspective, he thought that was my finished product, which it wasn't. It was just this is the end of stage one transcribing the interviews. And he really wanted the uh, the book to be kind of like a really cool uh, memoir or uh, biography, kind of like Sammy Hagar had written and a few other people that uh, just came across as more cool. Instead of just telling story after story after story, yeah. And uh, and so the manager uh, said, "This is what we want you to do, Doug." And he wrote the first chapter, and everybody loved it so much, especially Michael. I said, "Oh, let's just do that. Let's just have you write it." So, so like a guy who produced an album, I can look back and say, "That drum track on this song, that's my drum track." Okay, mm-hmm. these guitar leads right here, that's that's mine. But right. those vocals on that song were re we recorded? This, you know. So, so I uh, I am a co-author of that book. And, uh, you know, very, very, very proud of it and very excited about it. Uh, but Dave Rose came in and did the the finishing touches on it. And he made it he made it awesome. Um, well, let me ask you so this. I, I had a ton to do with it. All those stories uh, I heard firsthand.
0: Yeah, it, that's what I want to ask you. It, maybe even something that wasn't put into the book. What surprised you or maybe something you never even heard? Because, I mean, as a reader thinking, oh, man, Michael and Lisa got pregnant before they were married. You know, you're thinking, wow, I'm kind of shocked about that, even though, I mean, I got I impregnated my wife before we were married, living in sin. So <laughs> I was like, me and Michael got a lot in common, except anything else. But um, was there any crazy stories that stuck out to you? Maybe you didn't get to write uh, that you could talk about? Or or no, what they- was stories that did he did tell you and you're like wow okay the
1: craziest stories that he told me are, are in print there and i knew as soon as he told me that story i go this is the story that every radio dj is going to ask about when they're talking to him about the book and first of all uh he married kyle who was uh, a, a makeup artist that he met early on like in 84 and 85 and that was the 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 woman he married and and was married to for tw- twenty plus years, I think. Uh, she ended yeah. up dying of cancer. Cancer. And so they they had they had a baby before wedlock. Michael and Lisa, which is his current wife, he remarried after his his first wife died. They haven't had any kids. Yeah, that,
0: that's, that's, uh, yeah that's
1: who I meant. I'm sorry, I, I messed up. The that's name, okay. I but... just Michael's a friend of mine. I gotta I gotta stand up for the truth and make sure that doesn't get out there.
0: No, 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 uh, no, that's not one. I, yeah, but, I meant with his, with Kylie, uh, Kyle, Kyle, or Kylie, you said? Yeah. Do I do get so, that but wrong? The story he told yeah, me that was. is
1: the, the incredible story that blows that away is, uh, when, he, when they were promoting the Against the Law album, which, uh. He told me that they were they were backsliding when they came into the studio. They were first somebody brought a couple beers and somebody brought a six pack. Oh, and then pretty yeah. much everybody in the band was bringing six packs and then they were bringing guns. They were going out to shoot. And Tom Werman, who produced Ted Nugent, did a lot of bunch of secular bands. He said he hasn't seen a band party as much as Striper had. But anyway, wow. When they went to go promote the album after the album was out, they took Michael and Oz took the East Coast and Robert and Tim took the West Coast and Michael and Oz. Were, uh, well, Michael was, uh, you know, uh, he wasn't committing adultery, but he was uh, he was messing around with girls that he shouldn't have been. Yeah. And I so been, he was I, feeling I conviction that about book. that. And he was at a strip club in Minneapolis, Minnesota, called Solid Gold, with Rick Nielsen of Cheap Trick and David yep. Cassidy from the Partridge Family. And <laughs> in the middle of the middle of the strip show, David Cassidy looks over at him and he goes, "Christian band, huh?" And Jeez. he said, "My that was like the moment that Michael his was heart. like, dude, I got re- to repent. Right? This is, I can't continue down this road. So he quit Striper. He left Striper to save his marriage and uh, to get back on track, and, and he did. So I uh, got to hand it to the guy, but, but that story is like, <laughs> it's just so controversial and shocking that I just knew that anybody who reads that book, uh, that's one thing that's going to stick
0: out to him. Yeah, there was some stuff. i like to go back and read it yet again and uh, do you do you ever think any of the other guys should come out with a book or would it be interesting enough from striper
1: i'm sure they're a big enough band where uh you know they've all got lives and stories and stuff they could tell but the story of striper itself is uh has been told more than once but that's a real exciting story just the things that happened to that band um uh, in a good way uh are pretty
0: awesome yeah they, they i mean i've told this story about a hundred times on my all four podcasts i've had episodes so far but my dad gave me in god we trust as my first album and i was just mesmerized blown away i it to being a little girl who had a just a thing for Sync. that's how <laughs> i was for striper okay <laughs> um they had the vhs in the beginning at our local rental store oh, and yeah. i would i would say please go rent this every week i wanted to rent i wanted to rent yeah. it yeah i thought these <laughs> were the coolest dudes robert sweet was my hero and um i mean these guys meant so much to me and i was telling darren the other day i would pray for striper every night as a kid my parents would come in the room and they want me to say my prayers and striper every night for years was in my prayers. That's really cool. So much to me. God and heard those uh,
1: prayers too, man.
0: I, I, yeah, he had to. And, yeah. um, and I've gotten to meet most stripers got uh, the guys. And, uh, Tim did message me back the other day about coming on the show. Hopefully that does help. And here, here's my goal. I'm going to just go through my goals for, uh, People I like the top of the list people I want on this podcast. One is Doug Van Pelt, of course, obviously. Yay. Uh, but I want all the striper guys. I want Blackie Lawless. That's one dude I want on here so bad. Yeah. Because he is such a transition person. Like I, I got was his listen-
1: publicist email address if you need it.
0: Hey, I'll take it. What okay. whatever help I can do? get but he is I was listening to a podcast with him the other day and you know I'm not saying I'm leading the greatest Christian lifestyle here but he made me like he inspired me I'm thinking dang this guy is so uh, different than what he was and uh, he's so on fire for God he could lead so many people to to Christ and uh, so yeah those are kind of the guys that I'd give anything just a, that, you know that that's my dream episodes with the podcast. So cool, you'll get there. Uh, yeah, but uh, you know I want to keep you too much longer, and uh, I don't even know what's going on with the game. There's a game on tonight. Did you know that?
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't think that touchdown you told me about counted because it did the game
0: cast. You jinxed me, Doug. And uh
1: well. I was looking for a score to be seven to zero, and I looked up there. Alabama had three, and Georgia had zero. Well, yes, yeah, three. And three I can't three watch
2: now. it. Okay, cool.
0: Yeah. I don't I'm have poop. cable TV, I'm, I'm so I don't have myself. access
1: to watch the game. I'm gonna have to watch it tomorrow when it's like a highlight reel. Where are you, where but,
0: you, where know you know. at these days, and what do you got going on?
1: I work for the state of Texas, uh, an, an a state agency called the Texas Department of Licensing and Regulation. and I'm a graphic graphic designer for them so I get to design stuff and write stuff and put documents together and stuff
0: it's kind of fun Doug if you ever want to team up you're, you're like heads and shoulders and leaps beyond anything I got going on but if you ever want me to team up with you to help you with anything man I'd be more than happy to uh, if there's anything I can ever do to help, because you were a big part of my, 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 I would say childhood, my teenage years. And, uh, and, uh, the magazine really impacted a lot of people's lives, brought something that no one else was bringing out. And, uh, I want to say, thank you. I appreciate you doing that. Oh, um, well, thanks, man. I appreciate
1: the encouragement. Cause it's, uh, it's very encouraging to hear that.
0: <clears throat> yeah, so I mean, I it, and I seriously, if there's anything I can ever do to help anybody else out, uh, especially guys that meant a lot to me, like you and um, you know, Striper, those guys, or whoever it might be, uh, man, I'm I I will be I'll, I'll I'll be there for you if you ever need anything. Do you need me to pub anything, or if you ever want to come on the show and discuss something? Uh, dude, i'm I'm there man um because i'm it, it's just such an honor to get to talk to you i i know it sounds maybe a little goofy and cheesy but and we've been joking a lot but doug you, you you've done a lot you you've made an impact in a lot of people's lives with with this magazine that you've had and uh it wasn't just a magazine it it was a really great magazine you had a lot of the artists that people wanted to, to know about and learn about, and uh, you brought it to their attention, and you made things more exciting. It was a privilege, man. It was a lot of fun. It's
1: uh, I so I'm, appreciate the encouragement.
0: Yeah, I'm and trying uh, to make you cry. Are you about to cry yet
1: or not? I, I Lord, may take so. you up on the offer to help, man. I don't, I don't have really an agenda nope. or uh, or ambition anymore.
0: Well, is here's my is thing, is like seriously, thing, off, if something offers comes to on mind, table, I'll let you know. Offers on table for whatever it might be. If you ever want to do another podcast, you ever want to do story time or something, say, uh, it, you know, hey, I got a five minute segment with Doug Van Pelt on this week's episode, and he's going to tell you a cool story about whatever it might be. I could do that. Um, but before I end, I, I did want to mention, because we were talking about, you said uh you had a story about holy soldier and kicking off the bus uh the the singer old Stephen Patrick uh, mm-hmm. any other crazy stories that you know about that was or is that basically the the big juicy one you have
1: Uh it's funny it's like sometimes when I want to remember these stories uh I rack my brain and can't think of stuff but it, it just kind of comes to you out of the blue sometimes you remember something about crazy that happened um like a, a goofy story that just came to mind this that's not very juicy at all but uh people in european countries you know think differently than we do and
0: you know yeah. the caesar
1: kalinowski uh had a label called wonderland records they had this really cool band called jet circus which is kind of like a hybrid kind of like a face i remember no more. them they had uh they mixed a little bit of hip-hop and dance music with metal and rock and um anyway they came over and they were, he brought them to cornerstone festival and as soon as they get to the hotel, they run and they jump in the pool naked. <laughs> it's just hmm. they're from Sweden. They don't think anything of it. And uh, it's kind of not something most Americans do. Um, <laughs> yeah, there is a story by there's a band called Betrayal, which was a really cool. And Caesar actually produced their debut album, too. Um, they uh, they were called Martyr before they were called Betrayal. But I think they had to change their name when they got signed to Betrayal because somebody had the name Martyr copyrighted written written. anyway uh so betrayal was out on tour and they had like a van and they were pulling like a u-haul trailer and uh their trailer as they were coming down a hill i think or they were traveling on a freeway their trailer came unhitched from their van and went past them and plowed into a guy and killed a man and the band broke up after that they couldn't that really shook them up (laughs) it was so intense yeah so uh they are no more and that's their that's their ending story Hmm. that's a a heck of a story from the past
0: well i got a couple fun questions for you if you don't mind just before we end it all right if you're cool with it and we'll we'll be done and you can go eat your cold pizza sounds good uh um (laughs) let me let me find these questions here real quick okay All right. In the words of Pat
1: Benatar, hit me with your best shot.
0: Here we go. Favorite movie ever.
1: Oh, that's easy. That's The Jerk with Steve Martin. Uh, Yeah. It's got so many (laughs) humorous lines in it. And I have a trivia question for you. Name the seven items that he walks out of the house with. This is all I need. It is the best I need. There's seven items. Oh, my God. So you can ask your audience the question.
0: Uh, I'm I'm going to pause
1: and then I'm going to tell you the answers.
0: Okay. Okay. I don't know. I cannot remember. Uh, Well, yeah. One was, was one, the dog. Nope. Okay. I don't know then.
1: Okay. So it's remote control, a paddle ball game, a book of matches, an ashtray, a magazine, probably HM, a chair (laughs) and a lamp. Those are the seven items I don't need anything else But I need this lamp He trades all seven items To an old lady On the streets for a thermos (laughs) Anyway so
0: next. (laughs) I was born a poor black boy (laughs) Yeah This is the best movie ever Greatest uh, intro to a movie Alright so favorite movie is The Jerk What have you been binge watching lately?
1: Uh, Cobra Kai
0: So you're in the new season That just yeah. came out
1: Yeah we just finished up uh, All the episodes that they've posted So now we have to sit there and wait for The
0: the rest of the season Right four, I think
1: it is to, to finish up
0: I'm I'm, also... uh, I'm on The Witcher The second season of The Witcher
1: Cool is that good?
0: It's good It's uh not the one you want to go to church talking about the episodes but uh it's uh it's been pretty good apple plus has probably some of the best movies that you could get right now there's there's uh what is it ted lasso is great
1: yeah i love that first season of Uh, that i haven't seen
0: the second one yet the c c is a great one on there um the one about uh the where they're tv news anchors i can't think of it, it, it man it good yeah there, there's a lot mm-hmm. of good ones on there too cool but yeah any any anything else that you can think of uh been yeah. watching
1: we uh <clears throat> as a family we got into the walking dead and we're finally uh on what's mm-hmm. that season 11 and uh
0: starting to plow through that now uh, i dropped out of that probably around season 9. I watched it from day okay. 1 and then I just like I could not get into it. And, and you I saw wish, Negan. Yeah, Negan was in there and now yeah, um, season 8. I need to figure out what was that so I could kind of pop back in there before it's over. Mhm. Uh right, let's see favorite band. Uh probably Kings X. All right. Um greatest Singer.
1: Uh, I heard you asked Luke that question, and I know yours is Freddie Mercury, and I'm I'm it not going to say Freddie. I, don't, I think you're wrong about that, and you'll you'll admit it and you'll cry like a baby. You're off
0: the show. No when more. When you show. come
1: when you come to your to grips with to the truth, uh he's a good singer. uh Robert Plant is way up there. um There's you know, I like Rick Emmett of Triumph. He's got a good voice, and Klaus Main or Klaus mm-hmm. many of the Scorpions. He's yeah. an acquired taste But he's got a If I if I won the lottery I would want to take $50,000 And have the Scorpions play A concert Where I choose the set list And it would be songs from uh, Humanity Hour One And Unbreakable And a couple
0: other songs Hey, hey but, It's uh, your greatest singer Not mine But you're yeah, But whatever Yeah Okay And um, then the last one You could see a concert From any band That's ever existed which band are you going to see?
1: Uh that's so easy. It's Led
0: Zeppelin. Yeah, you're about the uh, third person to answer Led Zeppelin. Yeah. and There's three remaining le-
1: members of the band, so that's not a coincidence.
0: Yeah. How about that news of Bob Saget passing away? dude? I'm yeah. He's only 60-something. 60 66? 65. 65. 65. Yeah
1: that seems kind of young to me now it
0: is it is but anyways uh anything you want to throw out there anything you got going on uh just uh just a working man uh, yeah you're, love you're still doing you're still doing the the uh, internet stuff though side of hm magazine right technically
1: yeah um dot is uh something that's constantly doing uh features and album reviews and news of uh stuff coming out and uh and i've got a, a website where i sell a bunch of stuff like my books and whatnot okay it's uh hm dash press uh i think it's dot square dot
0: site i'm gonna type it in while i have you on the phone <laughs> i'm sure people can you link from the uh the magazine the heavens metal magazine online can you go from there to that
1: uh, well, th- there is a banner at the top of HeavensMetalMagazine.com for Rock Stars on God, Volume 2. Okay. And so that, that, if you click on that banner, that takes you to hm-press.square.site, which has CDs, posters, stickers, books, and audiobooks on there.
0: Okay. So any, like any, anything
1: I do that I want to sell is going to go through that that platform, that online store.
0: Okay. Well, sounds good. Um, I've
1: got a bunch of CDs on there for a dollar
0: each. I'm not trying to make a killing with this stuff. So. Well, which, what kind of CDs are you talking about? Like just,
1: uh, like Magdalene, you... uh, Michael Rowe solo album.
0: Uh, you remember that uh, band Nouveau or Nouveau?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: You don't have Nouveau them. But you got this, them? Because no, I need I them
1: for a dollar. <laughs> yeah, that was uh the singer that sang in another band before Nouveau, I believe.
2: Can't
0: remember the name he, of it though. He, uh, I saw him. I lived in Nashville for a little while after that whole scene, and it hit me. I was like, wait a minute, I know who this guy is, and I talked to him for a little while. But that, mm-hmm. that, good that voice. was, yeah, really good voice. I really enjoyed him. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, any, any other, uh, cool stuff going on?
1: Uh, I'm, I got, uh, I haven't started it yet. The process, I've designed the cover. And I'm working on who I'm going to interview, but I am want to do a book called Worship at Full Volume where mm-hmm. I take uh, – uh, I interview 18 artists like White Cross, Baron Cross, Bloodgood, Striper, um, tons and tons of bands that were like really seminal to the whole scene. And I want to do career-spanning interviews with them
0: and uh, talk about everything, Holy Soldier and Bride, a bunch of bands like that. Well, that'd be cool. Any anything that you ever have coming out, man, pass pass it to me, and I'd I, I love to uh, pub it on this podcast here. You know, for my mom that's listening, and she'll be like, you oh, that's great. We're proud of him. Well,
1: well, tell mom uh, the the
0: the project
1: that's dear to my heart is my novel, Desert High. It's, when I was a, a a senior in high school, our football team got ripped off in the playoffs. And a lot of people say that, but the referees actually met with our coach the following Tuesday and said, we blew these calls. We're sorry. Yeah. And now I'm 58 now years old <laughs> Still thinking and I'm about still it. not over that game. And so I got to write a book, invented a time machine. I would go back to November 20th of 1980 and I would write the wrong of that football game. <laughs> that's awesome. So that's what it's about. I hope the book gets made into a movie because it's like I think it's a great story and, you know, People need stories to make movies for, and this would be a heck of a heck of That's a movie. That's like
0: uh, the the movie Mr. Destiny with John Jim Belushi. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. He's like, if I would have hit the home run, everything would be different. <laughs> and then he does, yeah. and it's it's kind of like a wonderful life in a way, mm-hmm. but different. Well, uh, Doug, where can people find you at if if you want people to find you? That is, uh, where can they check you out at on uh, the social medias?
1: Yeah, they could check me out at Facebook.com. My Facebook page, I think, is Douglas Gene Van Pelt or Doug Van Pelt or something like that. But I'm pretty easy to find. You can find a Wikipedia page on me or
0: I'm on Twitter and Instagram. I think Amazon sells a lot of your books, too, in case they're interested in that. And, uh, well, Doug, hey, it has been an honor. Um, It's just crazy getting to talk to people that I grew up in and always – saw and heard things from and thanks for all the all the cool stuff you put out man you put out some great stuff getting to uh pre-internet you know really getting to watch these uh videos with uh heaven's metal videos going out there when you didn't have access to these bands and you could watch their videos and uh being in touch with the magazine um Dude, you did, you did a great job and it it really helped out and made a big difference. So, I appreciate you. Well, thanks, bro. Thanks, Joe.
3: grew up on TV. This is where I learned about life. Be a model citizen. The 2.4 keep it alive. To the top for 40 years. And always keep your head down. But their dream of a better life. Or grow up, go to school, get a job, make money and die.